Welcome to Cocoon, the podcast for wellness coaches featuring wellness coaches. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Sutherland. Think of Cocoon like a warm, supportive hug that you can listen to because after all, wellness coaches need care too. Hi everyone and welcome to episode four of Cocoon and on this episode I have qualified nutritionist Tara Leong from the Nutrition Guru and the Chef. Welcome Tara, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I've snuck into my sister's dance studio to get some Wi-Fi um, and I'm very excited to be able to do this this morning with you Karen. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. So let's begin at the beginning. So tell me, how did your journey begin in your your field? What made you decide to want to become a nutritionist? Yeah, I'd always been a dancer. And uh, after school, I was dance teaching. I went on to become a personal trainer. And then I had to have a really big surgery on my hip. And that left me unable to be as physically active as I needed to be for my job. And so I had to sit down and really think about what could I do as a job that I can do for quite a long time. And so I enrolled uh, in the Bachelor of Nutrition at the uni. And from the first day there, I just, I loved it. And I knew that that's what I was kind of meant to be doing because I'd always been interested in food and and health and my mum always cooked a lot and and talked about food and growing her own food so it was a kind of a natural progression excellent and and then you ended up actually teaching at the uni as well so you sort of went full circle that's it yeah so um once uh in my final year of of studying i actually started up my social media accounts and back then it was actually quite a new thing to do so social media really only just started it was really only used by people to kind of log in and look at your friend's birthday party and fiji holiday people weren't really advertising people didn't really have a lot of business type pages um but i was really feeling like i needed an opportunity to be able to help learn how to talk about science and health in a really relatable way. So at university with, with nutrition um, and, and health degrees, you're, you're taught the very, very difficult science from a textbook. Um, and you don't particularly get taught how to say those things that translate to normal everyday people. So when you mm. first graduate, someone might ask you about fibre and you rattle off all these statistics and how, you know, all these biological pathways and the person just looks at you like, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to know about fibre. And so I recognised that to make a difference in the health space, I really needed to get good at being able to just say fibre is this, you can get it from these sources, try cooking it this way, and then people can really take that knowledge and and run and, and, and you can create positive change in that way. So when I did that, there was actually no other health professionals on Instagram or on Facebook. And back then, a lot of health professionals say I'm I'm a health professional I don't have time for social media why would I even bother with that and it was almost seemed as a bit below them mm -hmm. um and 
I'm really pleased now to see, though, the change in health professionals um, embracing social media and being able to work with it um, because for me that is actually where a lot of my business comes from. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I follow your accounts and your audience is so enthusiastic and engaged and uh, and I've learned so much from your content, so the recipes and, and just facts. And also when you, uh, what I love is when you sort of, call, not really call people out, but you sort of share, you see someone if they're posting misinformation and you actually say, well, this is actually the science, this is the facts, but in a really relatable way. So thank you for doing that. Uh, I, I, I feel... Uh quite a sense of um so as a health professional we do have a duty in that our first ethical rule of being a health professional is number one is to first do no harm so anything we say any advice we give we have to make sure it's not going to harm the person and so as a health professional the place that I got to was when I was seeing all of this misinformation online that is really very damaging and can cause serious health effects by sitting back and not saying anything that's actually causing harm and so I feel that there are times where I need to stand up and say no you you don't need to um, go on a 1000 calorie diet um, in order to lose 16 kilos in three days that influencer who's saying you should do that is actually wrong and it's quite dangerous um, and to be able to kind of share that balance between um, the very loud voices giving very incorrect nutrition information and then the unfortunately there's less of us health professionals that are kind of giving the right information uh, yeah yeah so but you know your your audience helps to share that too so that's really great <laughs> you're right so you you are such a, a, a busy woman. So you you have the nutrition guru and the chef. You're very active on social media. You're a mom. So you have all these things. But how, how do you actually maintain your energy levels to be able to do everything so well? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you did mention I was um, working for quite a few years at the university. They asked me to come back with my experience having worked as a practitioner at the university. And I think back to those times where I was doing a lot of hours and I had a two-year-old and doing a lot of travel and doing a lot of different things. But I think if you can be, um, if you're doing something that you really enjoy, then that really does help. Mm. Um, but I have also gotten quite good at um, filtering out uh what work opportunities are actually going to be valuable because when you first start out and especially as a health practitioner your whole goal in your whole life is to try and help people and you have all of this knowledge in your head that you really just want to give to people and and you feel a duty to be able to share that and help um but you have to be able to um, get to the point where you can't realise you can't save everyone um, mm -hmm. and you have to be quite selective in where your time is spent. So if a work opportunity comes up that um, uh, pays more money, for example, um, but isn't as exciting, sometimes it's okay to take that opportunity over the one that's more exciting. The other thing is that... Um, I learned quite quickly that 
I had a lot of opportunities come my way that I did for free and almost got um, pushed into doing for free because you're often told that it's good exposure for you. So would you, would you like to write a 3,000-word article for this really great magazine and it'll be great exposure for you? Now, when I first started out, I put my hand up for everything and I did everything. But what that meant is then I had no time to actually do the, the the work that I was paying, getting paid to do. And there comes a time when you have to transition out of doing things for free to get exposure um, versus being able to recognise your worth as a practitioner or a healthcare professional and say, and, and, you know, and now I do have to at times say, well, I'm like I'm at capacity. I've, I've got a really full month. But if you'd like me to still to do that, this is my rate and we could kind of negotiate price if you like because yeah. otherwise if you just try and do everything, that's right, Karen, you would just burn out. You would just, there's only so many hours in a day. Absolutely. And so when you have those uh, really intensely busy periods, what do you do to soothe yourself after those? <laughs> for me I love food and not not just eating food but cooking food or sharing food and um you know before we went live Karen you were talking about how you love to 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 make your um chai uh from scratch and it's those little rituals that I think are really important so being able to sit and have your morning coffee if that's what you love or you invite your bestie over and she knows she can only really stay for 20 minutes but you get to set, share a chai and then she heads back out again to kind of fill your cup up but mm, you really yeah. do have to be um you almost have to schedule it in don't you because otherwise time just flies and you realize that you've just spent the last three months and you haven't seen anyone you haven't done anything for yourself and all you've been doing is working and 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 sometimes we consider when we work in the health space because it is what we love and what we do as a passion it's still work as well so you think about for example um you know when I worked in a supermarket a long time ago I was able to leave that supermarket and go home and not think about a supermarket and sometimes yeah. we need to be able to kind of create those opportunities for ourselves rather than just continuing to work into the night into the night yeah and I, and I think too because I think of what's happened over the last couple of years work and uh and your personal life has sort of blended into one, it's become acceptable to do that. So it's been even more important just to really uh, make sure you put those boundaries in place. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you talk about boundaries because um, I, I've i been running my social media accounts for quite some time now and I've learnt a lot over that journey. So at first when people send you DMs or they, they ask questions, that you you kind of feel this sense of like oh they they want my information okay I'll share it all, um, but now with quite a few followers ten times a day I'll get a DM without an introduction it's a it's a complete stranger saying what diet should I go on, and and no hello no and and I used to still reply to that nice I used to reply hello um you know, blah, 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 if you could give me some more information and I can't really, uh, it, like it's not legal that I answer questions on social media, but I could direct you to a nice website. But now I actually, my boundaries are 
I don't answer that because I would yeah. never I would never walk through the door of a hairdressing salon and interrupt <laughs> the hairdresser and say, what hairstyle should I have? You know, <laughs> I wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> but on no. social media, people tend to to do that because they don't know you. It's it's that there's that disconnect. So I would really recommend that for um, any uh, people in the wellness space, if they're using social media for sure for their business, really think about what what boundaries you can put in place to protect yourself because mm. that for me was a huge area of burnout for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and so because it is a bit anonymous, people share their life story, so you'll suddenly get a message from someone talking about all the trauma that they've been through and the big life events and how that influences this and what should they do, and it's quite hard to take because yeah. you have a sense that you need to reply to them or help them in some way. Yeah. That would be hard. And and apart from the things that you've shared, what else do you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? Oh, I guess in my area of nutrition, but this is relatable through any 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 of the health spaces, is that the work that I've done and been paid for, I never thought was available. So the work that I do, there is never a job on seek for nutritionists um, to do all of these things. I, I created all of those things. Um, so that's what's exciting. So so often I think we don't realise what's actually possible and what's out there for us to do. And the yeah. amazing thing in, is in the year 2022, going into 2023, there's going to be so many more opportunities that, that we can that we can do. Yeah. And my, my other question now, so we've talked about navigating social media. So how do you do, do you do it to maintain your own wellness? So do you have set periods of time that you check or do you schedule your content or like how, how do you do it so it doesn't, because it could take over. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, it could totally take over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a few things that I've done. Um, for me, I don't. I recognise that Twitter really annoyed me, so I don't use it. I haven't used it for maybe six or seven years, um, and I try. I had tried and persisted, but it just literally would make me irritated, and so <laughs> I just don't use that. Do I need yeah. to use it? I don't think so. Um, yeah. And then this, and then what I recognised with TikTok about two years ago is I became quite addicted to it. Um, and I realised when I was driving my car and I stopped at the lights, I grabbed my phone and, like, opened TikTok to see, you know, just to see what was on TikTok. And, I, like, I just went, come on, this is this is kind of crazy. I was it just sort of, I was. it was honestly that fear of missing out on something um, mm -hmm. that really took over. So I, I don't. I just took TikTok off my phone and I, I I just don't go on TikTok because I know that I really do actually love TikTok. Um, yeah. Um, and then with Facebook and Instagram, I do use the function on the iPhone where you can actually track your usage and that does keep me in check a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then putting in those boundaries, I guess where I spoke to you about um, that that uh, feeling of pressure to respond and help everyone, 
now that I've kind of limited that, I realise that I put my stuff out there and people can take it or leave it. Um, and I used to even respond to any negative criticism but now I've learned I don't actually have to engage. But at the start, you kind of feel like you want to stand up for yourself. If someone tells you you're a bad nutritionist, you want to go, hey, no, actually, I'm really good. Um, and I used to lecture at the university and I've done this and I've done that. But you've got to kind of let your ego go and just go, yeah. it's okay. That 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 argument with that one person could take three hours, you know, yeah. for the next three hours into 10 o'clock at night. And I used to do that. And that's yeah. really unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. It would be hard. And, you, and you've got to think, who is that person, a qualified nutritionist to be, you know, Yeah, 99.9% of the time they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. so with you, you must work very closely with your clients. And so uh, can you share a story, of course, keeping it anonymous, about mm -hmm. um, one of the most positive transformations you've seen um, with a client? I guess a lot of the work that I do is really helping people to understand that um, they can remove the fear that they might have around food that they've actually developed from spending a lot of time on social media. So, you know, I had a lady contact me and she was crying in the car because she had packed a banana in her child's lunchbox for the last week and then she just heard, you know, someone totally unqualified on the radio saying that fruit is really bad and will make you fat and will cause cancer, feed cancer. What? And she couldn't get out of the car because she was absolutely stricken with um, fear and worry that she had harmed her children. And that story isn't on its own. That is yeah. many, many, many people I see who are experiencing that because of the misinformation. And quite often the work that I'll do is actually educating around why that myth about nutrition that they've heard or read is wrong and then what, what is the correct information. And then they have the opportunity to make their own decision. So mm. they can take my information and, and then make their own decision of whether they'd like to feed their children bananas or not. Mind you, I should I should say bananas will not make you fat. They will not cause cancer. They're wonderful foods. Yeah, I love bananas. So yeah. it's good. And what are your goals for this year? So we're, we're actually in, into August now. But um, what were your goals at the beginning of this year? And, and, and are, you, are you making up new goals all the time? And, and how are you tracking? Yeah, and, and I, I do set goals. And what I think is really important, though, is to be able to modify and change those when your life changes. So my life has gone through a big change at the moment. I had all these these grand plans for all these wonderful things that I have to stop and and go, actually, at the moment, that's not achievable, achievable for me. But what I can achieve is this, this and this. Yeah. Um, on a personal level, um, I'm really excited about getting my podcast up and running because I just love doing that podcast. It's yeah. And it's been really successful. So tell yeah. us about your podcast. Yeah, so it was ranking on number one on the Apple podcast charts and, and Spotify for quite a while. Um, and uh, I finished that last year, I think, um, and I can't wait to get it back up and running. Um, I think people just really enjoyed the 
um, really sticky information. Like a lot of the episodes were, are frozen vegetables good or bad for you? I then looked at a lot of like um, um, people who are giving incorrect nutrition information and I kind of broke down those trends and interviewed people who'd been hurt by those trends. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when when are you planning to get that up and running before the end of the year? Yes. So um, I'm tackling, I'm doing a bit of nutrition investigative journalism at the moment into a program, I don't know if I can name it, but um, called Herbalife, which is um, oh, yeah. supplements and things like that that really push them into people. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the pros and the cons of that and, and what people's experiences are and be able to present that. Excellent. What's your podcast called? Yeah, it's called 99% Fad Free. Excellent. Good. Yeah, well, and then I think the wonderful thing about the digital age is like I'm currently working on a book as well that I self-publish and I've self-published a book as well. You know, 10 years ago you couldn't do anything like that, you know, and I love how, Karen, you know, you 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 publish your own calendar and things like that. It's just <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah, it's um, it, it feels really powerful. Like, and what I love is that you just have this idea, and then there it is. And even this um, podcast, it was yeah. it was just a crazy idea I had, and thankfully I've got this amazing team at Dara and Digital who are like, okay, and then they just ran with it with my idea. So oh, I, I love that that ability just to create things that you you know in the past you probably would have thought oh too hard but now there's all the technologies and and resources to help you to create whatever you can imagine really yeah that's it and and I think as a um when you're in the health space it's really important to be able to network as well because once you start networking it's all those little people that can go oh, I can help set you up the back end of your podcast or I can do a little graphic design for you for the front of your ebook or or whatever that you and then you help them with something else and that's the beauty that's a really you can create lifelong friends from those opportunities even though it's through work yeah yeah absolutely and so we've covered a little bit on burnout now, but if you could give, say, a, one key uh, piece of advice to help other people working in this space, um, how to avoid burnout, as we sort of conclude the podcast, what would that piece of advice be? I think um, I think to recognise that although you want to help everyone, you can't, you can't, physically and emotionally help everyone and usually you're doing your best and that's good enough yeah um and so recognizing that if you're trying as a health practitioner to help everyone else that often leads to then then your wheels start falling off and then you can't help the people that need your help yeah so being able to take a step back a little and recognize you can't always help everyone people often aren't ready for help as well they and so you have to be able to recognize that but also put yourself at the same level as the people that you're helping and, and that is it's, it's easier much easier said than done takes a bit of practice so if you can't do it straight away that's okay just keep trying to work on that and eventually you'll find your own systems 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Tara. This was a really excellent episode. You shared so much great advice. And um, so thank you so much. And um, we'll see you on Cocoon next month to everyone. Thanks for watching. And um, thank you so much, Tara. Thanks for having me. Thanks. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to Cocoon. Join us next month when we hear more from wellness coaches on how to stay well in a profession of constant giving. After all, wellness coaches need care too. Thanks and see you next time.